Hi, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Organization Business Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Pedetti. Now, my guest today is Christopher Chen, a new member of EO Sydney, who is the founder of Alpha One Coaching College, which was started in 2015. Now, within seven years, he has expanded his business to four locations, serving close to 3,000 students across Sydney and employing over 100 tutors. Now, frustrated with the education quality at various opportunity classes and selective coaching colleges, Christopher gathered a team of experienced tutors and designed courses that focus on teaching the best methods to tackle questions in the OC and selective tests. Now, in today's episode, though, you're going to learn exactly how Christopher was able to expand to multiple locations to get to learn about the challenges that he faced and then the method that he took to scale his business successfully. Now, if you have a location-based style of business and you're looking to expand, this is an episode not to be missed. Now, let's join me in welcoming Christopher. Well, so good to have you here, Christopher. Uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah, so Chris is actually a new member of EO Sydney. And yeah, I was I had the fortune to have a catch up with Chris. And I was really interesting to learn a lot about your business, which is like a physical business compared to my kind of online business that I feel like I get a lot of advantage and and I guess you know I, there's a, some struggle that I can avoid so yeah I wanted the audience today to really learn about some of the struggles you have in running a physical business but before we do that uh, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, yeah tell the audience a little bit about yourself yeah I'm Chris I'm 25 years old and I was uh, born and raised in Sydney so the business that I run is um, Alpha One Coaching College, which, as Lynn mentioned, as I mentioned, it's a physical, physical location-based sort of business. What we mainly provide is mainly a mixture of classes for kids who are doing academically well and just want to kind of push ahead and also prepare for certain exams. But we also do sell things like textbooks as well as online courses. So yeah, we um, started off back in 2017 in Castle Hill, out west in the Hills area. And uh, since then, we've expanded to other areas such as Bella Vista, Parramatta, Epping, Burwood, as well as a smaller sort of online stream branch. So, and at the moment, we're kind of in a position where every term, school term, we have a few thousand enrollments and about around 50, I would say about around 50 full-time equivalent of staff. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I just want to understand. So, you know, when I, about over 10 years ago, I wanted to start a business and straight away I was like, I want to start something online. Like I don't want to have physical spaces and considering you're a, a lot younger than me and you kind of started the, the business in this day and age, what made you decide to start a business that is kind of a lot more physical and, you know, there's buildings and things rather than something more convenient, like digital nomad that most people want to do nowadays? Yeah. I think mainly it's just because the because at the time before I'd started, I was just involved in the education sector as well, mainly just as a tutor myself. So I kind of understood that sort of market and what parents and students were after. So it was just mainly a situation where the demand for physical face-to-face classes was just significantly more than online. So I think that was probably a pretty easy choice for me to make. It was just purely based on what the market wanted. Gotcha. So it was just one of those things where you have the experience in, the skills in, and then it's it's a it's a type of service that people want in person rather than online. So you kind of yeah didn't get to choose that path. Whereas I think for me, it's like I didn't know what business to start, and so I got a kind of a a, a blank canvas. It's like, well, I want to start something online. So let's let's talk about yeah your type of service. You know, when you first started out, did you have a vision to kind of did you know you're going to start multiple locations? Like, what was your vision in business at the beginning? To be honest, I think at the beginning it was 
I didn't even have, I guess, the vision of like a, it becoming a proper business. To be honest, at the time I was just studying at university. So I was doing a Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery. So that was kind of the career path that I had like, oh, I actually envisioned. But I think over, as I was building the business, I kind of enjoyed it quite a lot. And just the whole aspect of, you know, planning and, you know, all the, in the strategy and executing all those sort of things that come with business, um, juggling all those different roles. So I, I enjoyed quite a bit. So I think um, over time, as time passed, I think the vision just slowly became clearer and clearer where I was like, you know, I, I do want to, you know, have a serious shot at this and um, at what I'm doing uh, with this business. And uh, I think at a certain point in time when the demand at one particular location became quite large and there was that sort of kind of that scope to open up several more locations, I think that's when that part of the vision became clear. So I guess to answer your question at the start, definitely not, but I think as time passed, it kind of, that vision grew, yeah. Yeah. So how did you grow? I mean, like, was it just a natural word of mouth that students started referring? Like, how did you grow so fast? And and then how did you, all of a sudden you have people from different locations wanting to ha- to, to use your service? Yeah. So I guess in the tutoring space, obviously there is the, you know, that we sell online course and textbooks, but mainly the bulk of what we do, which is classes, that is just a predominantly just word of mouth sort of type of business. And I think it's you're in that sort of area and you do a fairly good job at it i think the kind of word spreads quite quickly so i think um you know we had our you know traditional sort of like marketing you know social media and all those sort of different things flyers and things like that but i think by far it's just the word of mouth just it started off slow but then i think it got to the i would say around 2021 i think the fact that COVID happened kind of allowed us to kind of adapt and sort of try to i guess adjust like um, as well as we could and I think we uh, honestly speaking probably did a better job overall looking across the markets that that kind of accelerated the growth a bit more but it was kind of like a snowball effect yeah okay so yeah talk about COVID did it affect your business at all since you uh you you started off as physical did you have to go online during that time yeah so I completely had to like shift it online completely for that period of thing up to a year where it was just like an overnight shift of everything was physical and then we had to kind of flip to set all online and that was quite a big sort of like task i think at the time it was just um we decided that we just wanted to preserve so i guess one of the main differentiating factors for what we do is we just run the class in a lot smaller sort of groups of around you know seven eight kids whereas um, a lot of the other competitors are running groups in about 30 25 40 sort of classroom sizes so i think when we went to online like through zoom those sort of classes I think the smaller classes were a lot more conducive to that sort of online learning. Whereas in the larger group, it, it, it gets a bit difficult to have like 40 kids all trying to speak at the same time. So I think that kind of, kind of accelerated that growth sort of thing. So, but yeah, that's kind of how we, what we did during that yeah. period. Okay. So like how long did you stick with just one location and when did you decide to do the second? What were you feeling when it came down to like, okay, we're going to do another location. Like what were some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we, I would say the second location started around 2019, towards the end of 2019. And, and two, uh, a year or two years after? About two years, two, I would say two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. So we started thinking about it about two years after the company had started. And um, I think it really just materialized towards the end of that second year. I think mainly it was the, the size of the company had kind of grown to a certain point where it was like, okay, we're getting interest from other areas within Sydney. And then we had some people within the team who were quite 
excited to get a bit more involved than just day-to-day sort of you know employee sort of like sort of uh i guess work arrangement so they were quite interested in kind of helping expansion and being more involved so i guess those two factors were the main i guess initiating um things that um, kind of led us down that path but yeah when we kind of decided to do that i think that's when we really started looking into the like logistics of of things and i think that's where all the different challenges start coming kind of coming up and you know kind of uh get presented and you know you have to kind of deal with those sort of um challenges so i think the main in terms of main challenges i would say the first one i would say is definitely like finding a suitable location i guess actually before that it's just kind of picking an area that you do want to be located in and i think for um at least what us i understand for every business might be a little bit different but for us, at least, the, the three main factors that we kind of were looking at. One was just where our, cu- our current customer base were already located in terms of like, you know, not in Castle Hill or, you know, which other suburbs were located. And secondly, it was just like which areas, I guess, demographically contained um, parents and students who were likely to kind of use our services. And then the third thing was just staffing. So I guess the way we approached it was just if we were to set up the location, what are all the different things that would cause us to, you know, crash and burn and not do well. You know, you don't get enough students. You know, when you start, you don't get enough, um, you know, kids, existing kids moving over or you just don't have enough staff to like run the show. So yeah, we kind of picked, we kind of use those sort of factors to just decide where we wanted to go. And once we sort of decided, you know, you know, hey, like Paramount or, you know, Epping or something like that, um, then we'd look at you know, things like um, the actual location itself. Like, um, I guess in our space, we need, you know, outside of hours access, somewhere where there's plenty of parking, you know, like something that's, you know, a relatively safe area. Those are sort of factors. And just kind of like, we just had like a list of all the factors that we wanted and just went around visiting locations and just like check, 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 and just see which ones no, this one doesn't work because of this. I'm just kind of, that was the whole process. Yeah. Gotcha. So you've obviously probably had students in there who lived a little bit further away and they were traveling there. And then eventually when you maybe open up the newer location did some of the students move there and you know like they they end up changing location and then you and i guess my question is like how do you did you have a wait list knowing that yep yeah, we've got a bunch of students that's ready to go for this to this location or you kind of like had faith in like okay we're gonna do this and then hopefully we're gonna get more signups for that new location and then there was a lot more like i guess like planning and trying to like i think we just the way uh, i approached it was just i uh, trying to minimize the uh, i guess the the fate and that the variability as much as i could so um definitely a big part of it was because we when we were in castle hill we had a lot of parents traveling really fast so we had some parents like traveling up from um uh, like bondi manly driving like an hour down and then people from epping Parramatta, and then uh, but like because i was quite involved with the customer facing thing i got a sense of you know where people were coming from i had you know at the time i started not really keep good data and you know i think it would have been so much easier but i just had the information where everyone was located so i didn't have that unfortunately so a lot of it was just based on anecdotal sort of like experience and like oh i know a lot of people were saying they're coming from Parramatta. so um, i guess that was a big factor of why we started Parramatta first and then when we decided that okay we're gonna run it we found our location we're gonna start in october at that point in time we kind of announced it to the existing customers and then um and as well as our, you know, social media channels and website and things like that. And then we kind of try to collect a sort of like a wait list or like an interest list. And then we just have a list of all the people who were happy to kind of move or, you know, join over the enroll over there because now it was close to their home. 
And then the other thing we tried to do was um, some of the key stuff, because I think a lot, a big aspect of our sort of like business is that like the parents and the kids kind of, once they're happy with one of the tutors, teachers mm-hmm. want to stick with them. So that's, and that's the, one of the other challenges, which was like trying to get people to kind of go to another location if they're, you know, like tutor or teacher wasn't moving along with them. So that was a challenge. So what we would do is like, once we had the list, we'd then kind of map out who were the, like, teachers who were teaching those kids and then if there were like i think at the time we identified uh i think two or three teachers who kind of were teaching a large majority of those kids and then we had them kind of move over as well to kind of pretty make the transition as easy as possible <laughs> as high and low risk as possible so yeah that yeah, that's so interesting it is yeah because you're gonna juggle it's just the convenience of the distance and it's the 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 teachers that people are like the kids are attached to so really interesting so from that second location was it a lot easier when you started rolling out the other two or three locations and how long did it take for you to roll out the next few locations yeah so after so we started paramount in 2019 and then the other location, so the Bella Vista location was more of a relocation of the Castle Hill Center because we needed a larger space. Uh, so we had like a five, 10 minute drive away. And then Epping and Burwood started at the beginning of 2022. So I would say that was a, about two, 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 two and a half years after Parramatta has started. But I think those ones, when we started, it was very much like, uh, I guess the way that we've expanded is always just if there was a suitable individual to kind of feel that expansion we we have we didn't really approach of a like let's try to shift these sort of targets of expansion in this center by this day it's just more like a like if we had someone who was interested in we felt was suitable for that sort of expansion become like the face of that branch and you know manager and all that sort of thing then that would kind of like happen so Burwood and Epping kind of opened both of the sides 2022 and the online branch was more just remnants of the whole COVID era okay so it sounds like you've had some almost like entrepreneur some people that are not just great at their job but then they've got the passion to maybe expand so are they now your business partners or are they still just a like a key senior manager that you've kind of deploy to yeah. to that area yeah um so they're like business partners so they're like kind of business partners at that particular location so like each location we just approach it as like a new sort of venture and we kind of went into it together but like each sort of location just has its sort of different sort of individuals who we kind of partner i partnered with them and and they're all people who were at the company previously certain roles either you know like administration management or like teaching and they were quite like reliable good staff who were interested in kind of growing uh, you know in their sort of role and kind of yeah kind of went down yeah so in a way it's like you're franchising but without you didn't go down the franchise route but you basically found the amazing employees that turn into your co uh, co-founders for the different locations is that right correct exactly right yeah it's kind of it's not really franchising but kind of like yeah it's it's kind of like somewhere in the middle there between the two and and did you look into franchising like what were some of those options that you were exploring when you were thinking about expansion you know i know if i was in your shoe and i'm like oh my god i can see this opportunity but you're so kind of overwhelmed by which way to go you know one way franchise one way it's not like what were some of the things you tossed up with i think for me a lot of the decisions i kind of made were just like i think i never really kind of had expansion as like the number one sort of priority as that's a metric in terms of how i like you know like like success and like if i you know like i didn't have any targets of i need to have this many branches by this year i think mainly it was the main motivation was just like i'm keen to sort of expand to the locations but 
I, I do want to expand having the confidence that those locations will be run well and like something I'm like proud of essentially. So I, I, I think like in terms of exploring, I think the franchise route, I didn't, I, I did kind of explore a little bit, like sort of like there were some people, um, a decent number of people interested in like franchising and I would speak to them and like it was just sort of like a mixture of like some other people who I guess they were more kind of interested in just more like, it's more like the investment. So they, they were like kind of trying to invest money, bring in staff and kind of run it. But then there's like a lot of like, Kind of cheering out there which is kind of that sort of model so it's like less kind of hands-on so i think it's for me maybe part sort of like fear that it wouldn't be like kind of run like like exactly by someone who like kind of was kind of within the company and kind of knew things inside out i think partly yeah. i'm like yeah i felt like it would be run better by someone who kind of knew it but i think it's just kind of a combination of that so i did explore a little bit like franchising but ultimately didn't really pursue that yeah, I really like your model because I feel like you learn and you you know this person can do the job. They've got skin in the game. They're not just here to kind of. Sometimes people get into franchise thinking that oh, I'll just throw my money in and hopefully this machine will make me money versus uh, someone that's kind of grown from the inside out. So, what would you say the qualities were of these partners that you found? You know, like what's made you stand out? Like what make them stand out? Yeah, I think a couple main factors. I think firstly, just the given such as like knowledge and they're, they're able to kind of like, they understand like, you know, like how to teach, how, how you know, the whole system with, you know, the different exams that we prepare for and like this, you know, the, the New South Wales schooling system, they were pretty good understanding of that. So I think knowledge was a factor that was important. I think secondly, just reliability, because I think once you do open up your own branch, a lot of the times in the early days, it's just you and a lot of the things do kind of fall on your shoulders. So I think they definitely did need to be people who were quite reliable and kind of display that quality trait, that quality and trait on their like uh, roles as tutors, managers, admin. And I think just that, I think just that ambition, like just that ambition to kind of do something beyond just something that was just like, a, you know, I worked this many hours and earned this much sort of um, intentions. So I think those three were probably the main factors. And I think everything else, you know, like you know, like people, managerial skills, people skills, or like, you know, for people who are transitioning from as a tutor to like a like a partner, like those sort of things kind of, we just kind of figure it out along the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, help me understand, like what would be your role What's like, okay, let's say you uh, decided to expand in the next location. You've got the uh, perfect person to do it. Yeah. What is your role versus their role? And, you know, how do you, how do you spend your time now that you've got so many branches? Yeah. So I guess we're opening a new branch. I think how I would, you know, what the, the tasks that I'd mainly occupy myself with were just the existing business sort of systems, hiring and, you know, like the, how the operations, like how they're running at one of the locations, it's kind of like my role would mainly be just moving that over and ensuring like a smooth transition of that to the new location because all they, those partners are quite experienced. Like it's just, I just, just based on, because I've been here longer, it's just, there's like a deep understanding of how things work. So it's just ensuring that smooth transition. And then they're mainly focused on the implementation on the day-to-day -day sort of, yeah, day-to-day -day implementation of those sort of things and making sure that the team over at that new location are kind of um, like operating how the company should be operating. So I think that's like kind of the early kind of stages of the business. And then beyond that, then it becomes a lot more of just like, you know, how do we grow the business and, you know, how do we make things run smooth, smooth more smoothly? What more value can we bring to the sort of the customers and sort of things? And this shift kind of focus a little bit to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so with all the branches and obviously with different partners there, do you then come together sometimes as a group and brainstorm and how different 
branches are happening or, and cause I would say that each branch is kind of responsible for, you know, trying to grow it and get more customers. And do you share that knowledge base, knowledge pool? Yeah, so I would have like uh, quarterly sort of like larger meetings between all the um, partners across the different branches, but we do have smaller like monthly meetings just for like that particular branch because depending on the size of the branch, the sort of issues that they face and the goals that they have are quite different. The branch with say there are a thousand students compared to branch with say 200 students would have very different sort of issues that need to be like kind of addressed or like, yeah. So like we have smaller meetings, which is just branch specific, where we can just talk about the the specific things we want to do for that branch. But then um, we do have less frequent, like sort of larger meetings to just kind of discuss like big sort of like long-term sort of things. Oh, really interesting. I just want you to, I guess, look back and go, okay, what are some of the things that I would I wish I knew earlier or some tips that you would be able to give to someone thinking about, okay, well, yeah, I am maxing out now. I'm thinking about expanding. Yeah. What are some of the things that they can do to avoid making mistakes? Yeah. I think, I think one of it was definitely like delegation. I think just based on personality, I, I tend to try to do all the things myself and just make sure it gets done in the way that I can kind of, I envision it to be done. Um, so, but then obviously to a certain degree, that sort of limits the number of things that you can do. And I think for a lot of things, whether it was like, you know, teaching classes myself to like, you know, they're doing, you know, administration tasks, like, you know, emails, phone calls myself to, you know, managing, you know, the, that shift myself. I think at each step of the way, I probably stayed in that role, maybe several months more than I should have. Because there were you know, other things within the business that kind of needed my attention, they were more kind of higher level and like higher level and crucial tasks that you know not someone else couldn't really do because of the the nature of the task. But I kind of sacrificed that to a certain extent, or didn't pay as much attention because I was had my time taken up by things that I, I probably should have kind of let go a bit sooner. Mm, okay, and so what would you spend your time on? Like, what do you know that you should be doing as a leader, and where you at in the, in the company right now? Yeah, so I think the two main things that I spend most of my time doing now, like first is just um, like change and improvement. So you know, as we kind of evaluate the company and say, you know, these are the things that we want to improve upon and these are the things we want to introduce that um, I'll spend a lot of my time sort of kind of spearheading and, and kind of moving that sort of project along if it's a, like a larger sort of project and just making sure it gets implemented well. So that's one thing. And then I think the, the, the second thing that I'll spend a lot of time on is just more those high level sort of like difficult sort of situations. Like say, you know, this branch is facing this sort of difficult sort of situation. You know, how, how do we want to address it? And like just coordinating like a strategy to address that um, problem or yeah, issue. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what's on the horizon? Are you expanding soon? Is there another location coming up? At the moment, nothing like, I haven't got any places like uh, kind of like planned as of yet, and nothing sort of like right there, but I think it's just like, I think it's always on the cards and something that I think uh, like the, the way that I've approached it, I've been pretty happy with where it's very, um, I guess, like people focused. So I think we, we pretty much follow that model. And, you know, if more people come along that we're confident with and like happy to share the journey with, I think that's definitely like expansion is part of. Yeah, I really love the way you've approached business. It's like you're kind of really organically allowing your business to grow. And because sometimes in business, we get caught up in these big audacious goals and try to expand and make as much money. And I feel like I really resonate with your style of really just taking one day at a time and, and kind of solving the problem as is. Like when there's more student, you want to expand. And when there's a, there's a teacher that comes along that makes sense and then you do it. And so, yeah, I mean, any insight into the way you approach it? Like, did you already 
Was it just something that you knew inside or you observed on the outside and said, yeah, I don't want it to be that kind of style entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it's both. I think, I think personality wise, I think it's just, I guess who I am as an, I feel like, I think the money aspect of things means a lot less to me than just, I guess, you know, the thing that I've done, I just wanted to like run well. And, you know, something that, you know, when people look at, they're like, you know, that's a good company or something that I look at, I'm like proud of that I've kind of created. So I think for me, because that kind of sits much higher on the, I guess, priority sort of ladder. And I guess like pure financials kind of falls low on that sort of like, yeah, that, that sort of uh, priority list. I think that kind of has kind of resulted in that sort of. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I, I resonate with that as well. As I, I would say your parents more love you because you're the typical Asian child. People want, you know, like most of us Asian parents want the kids to be academically smart. Not only are you academically smart, now you're making other kids academically smart. So uh, what has your parents, you know, what, what have they been thinking or saying since you've been in this business journey of yours? Like, like they're pretty, uh, like, how do I say it? Like, there's not that much pressure. Like I would say that, you know, I know for a lot of like Asian parents, they're typically there's a lot of like, you know, you got to do this, this, this. And then for me, they've been pretty hands-off and just, you know, like if like I wanted to kind of go down, you know, one path, they were pretty happy with it like uh, you know like midway through like medical school I was like you know I don't really want to do this anymore I'm pretty keen on just like going down business path so I guess a lot of Asian parents are quite like no you know, no you're gonna you know stay with your career and all that sort of thing it's a good career but for my parents they're just like yeah okay sure like if you want to do that that's fine so like they're quite supportive and oh uh, that's good yeah so like yeah, I'm so proud because you're really helping the next generation of kids to grow up smart like yourself whereas for me I think for many years I was working online and my parents still like what do you do again it's like you're well I have no idea what you do well this takes me to the last question I usually like to ask is yeah I guess like what do you want the world to remember Chris for yeah I think the main thing that I guess I, I'd like the world to remember me by is I think someone who just achieved I think all the his ambitions in life and uh, kind of reached I guess I reached my full potential and then along that journey managed to help quite a few people along the way and um, made a positive impact. So I think those two things, just making a positive impact and just achieving my full potential, I guess. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. And I was so uh, lucky to meet so many amazing people like yourself in EO Sydney. I think we all kind of have similar core values. So that's amazing. I'm going to make sure that everyone gets your contact details in the description below uh, where they can find you on LinkedIn and your, your company website, etc. So thank you so much, Chris, for your time today. No problem. Thank you so much, Lynn.